broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 260. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And, uh, wow, it's been a busy week, wouldn't you say, Zoner? It has been a very busy week. Not as busy as last week in which I was at Salt Lake Comic Con Fan X. However, it has still been a busy week. A busy week not for us per se, but the world at large, especially the tech world. It's been a... a lot of things have happened. Yeah, there's been a lot of crazy things that make me want to slap people. (laughs) It's been one of those weeks. It has been one of those weeks. Well, let's get into it. But before we slap anyone, uh, shout out to our good friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, stitcher.com, Eagle Moss Limited, and wpcycle.com. The best WordPress hosting is at wpcycle.com, and they are live now. Yes. They are launched. They are running in full speed. And for those of you who are wondering who this WP Cycle company is, it's 4814. They upgraded their name. Service is still epic, so check them out. Tell them the guys the Stolen Droid sent you. Yeah, you can't really uh, upgrade 4814 anymore because then you have like 9648, no, 28. It gets just confusing at that point. Yeah, so they they had to use letters. Because, you know, they have the best letters to match the best service. Indeed, indeed. Hey, we got some feedback. We got two big things of feedback, actually. I like feedback. Uh, Okay, so last week we talked about Apple's announcement that they sold, what, like 30 million four-inch phones? And we were really confused by that by saying, look, they didn't have a new four-inch phone last year. How could they have sold 30 million of them, right? Well, AARG which is just a few letters removed from the AARP, wrote us to say, hey there, the iPhone 5S is slash was a four-inch iPhone, and the SE uses the same screen. The SE also offers the A9 versus the A7 in the S5, more operating RAM, full compatibility with Apple Pay, improved cameras, and better battery. No argument that this is very much an evolution, not innovation. However, there are a number of people who find the smaller form factor more comfortable for single-handed use, especially ladies. Also, since, since the screen is the single most expensive component of the phone, this also lets Apple keep prices lower and margins high in that space, leaning from the all-too-fragile plastic case 5C. I agree. I had forgotten about the 5S, but I still don't know if we can consider the 5S a 2015 phone because it was actually released in 2014, but he is right. He's absolutely right that they continued selling it through 2015, so we forgot about that. It's very possible for them to sell 30 million units when it's a 2014 phone that they sold throughout 2015. And now, I got to ask the question, or make the statement here, not necessarily a question. Is this what happens when Colin and Schmitty are not here to keep us in check? Because they're both Mac people. I know. I know. Oh, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> that's a bit of a bomb now there, isn't it? Yeah. For those who don't know, as obviously everybody, Schmitty now has to use a Mac at work, and he hates it. And he wants He's... to kill people because of it. He just he just rages and chat to us. He he got a new job actually, and he's developing in a new environment. In the new environment, they say, "Nope, sorry, you have to use Mac." So he is not happy at all. 
Um, other bit of feedback wasn't actually necessarily written to us. It comes from our, uh, our good friend, our BFF on the interwebs, Gene, over at Krypton Radio. Um, you remember, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we talked about the, uh, the music industry finally figuring out how to make money with this whole streaming thing. Hey, if we just get streaming fees from the different places that stream music to people, we make money. And not only do they make money, they make more money than they've ever made in the history of the industry. Gene was listening to that episode, and he opened up a Facebook chat with me and said, yep, you're right. However, you haven't really mentioned what it means to internet radio stations. So this uh, actually applies very much to our friends over at Radio KSCR, TrekRadio.net, and CryptonRadio.com. If you are hearing us on one of those stations right now, it, this applies. So, so listen up. The recording industry has starting to put in place much higher fees on what it takes to license the rights to play music over, over the air. And previously these fees were a little bit more manageable plus internet radio stations. So long as they were, I think there was a couple little contingencies on, on what exempted you from it but you could be exempt or you could pay a much lower fee. And true to form, the recording industry has now figured, oh, this is how we make money on streaming. Well, man, we just got to flog that horse until people hate us again. Let's get those fees. Let's just strangle everyone. And so now a lot of online radio stations have gone out of business because where previously they didn't have to pay anything or they had to pay very little. We're talking like a tenfold increase in fees to internet radio, which is probably going to kill it, let's be honest. You know, I'm just waiting for the day that uh, the recording industry comes to us as little no-name podcasters It says, well, you're using microphones and, you know, you record in stereo or whatever the case may be. Now you need to pay us because, you know, reasons. <laughs> Zana, nice podcast you have here. Shame should something happen to it. <laughs> it's what it sounds like, right? That's it's a total shakedown. That's exactly what this feels like. And what's really crazy is the fact that and I don't understand it. Okay, are you familiar with the tragedy of the commons? Um, yes. Really? Yes. You seem confused. It is. It is where... Something becomes so commonplace, regardless of how extraordinary it is, it's no longer seen as extraordinary. Stop shaking your head. No. Yes, that's it. That is not it. <laughs> no, okay. it's, it's been a few years since I, since I was in um, school and discussing it, but I am familiar with it. Okay, so the tragedy of the commons is the idea that a person using what would be considered common space, let's say it's a field, right, and he can graze his cows on the field. And to maximize his own profit, he grazes his cows there all the time. Pretty soon, the field is barren, and he moves on to the next field. But in the meantime, he's completely eaten up all the grass. Well, he hasn't, but his cows have. So no one else can. Maybe he so, has. Who knows? So as an industry, as an ecosystem, everything starts to fail because he only looked out for his own best interest it actually inversely hurts himself in the long run. Okay, That's what we're seeing here. And the recording industry and the film industry and the TV industry has never been able to figure this out. 
They they really haven't. It's oh hey look, people are buying, you know oh I, they they're all on Netflix. This is great. Yeah, Netflix is wonderful. People are buying our stuff. They're not pirating. Hey, you know what we should do? We should have our own Netflix, and we should charge fifty dollars a month per movie. They're still getting a great deal, right? Yeah, this is great. Or in the more realistic case, realistic because it's actually happening. Oh, hey, people are listening to this music that they otherwise wouldn't even be noticing. You know what we should do? We should charge them more for it. That kind of thinking gets them a lot of short-term gains, but it hurts the ecosystem in general, and it's going to come back to hurt them in the long run. All you're going to end up getting is a bunch of underground radio stations and pirating again. Yeah, exactly. And so. yeah, hearing you explain tragedy of the commons, it all came back to me from sitting in my economics classes. I hated economics. Yeah, you know what I want to know? I want to, I I honestly want at some presidential debate for the moderator to just go. Can you please explain tragedy of the commons and what your administration would do to prevent it, or the uh, the sunk cost fallacy? And just watch the politicians have absolutely no clue what anyone's talking about. See, you say fallacy, and Donald Trump's going to start talking about the size of his hands and how that means something else is big too. Because do know, I look like I have small hands? No, I got the, the I have the greatest fallacy. Yes, my fallacy. Yes, is you huge. do. <laughs> it's huge. Yes, you do. My fallacy is huge. Okay. Um, if you want to know more about this, head on over to Krypton Radio. Even if you're listening to us on one of the other stations, head on over to Krypton Radio anyway. Uh, Gene has a really great write-up about what's happening, uh, and it's it's worth checking out. Um, uh, this is one of those things where all radio stations kind of have to band together, or else they're going to see a lot more stations die. I know Joe over at Radio KSCR had to deal with this, uh, and a lot of her other stations that, that are around KSCR kind of died off as well. So, Yeah, it really kind of sucks but i mean we gotta we definitely gotta look out for each other now gene gave us some other other feedback i guess you could say that we should probably mention and thank our listeners because i guess the last episode was listened to in its entirety in 10 different countries on krypton radio including the ones we were insulting yes and they stayed on, so thank you. Yeah, ten different countries. That's pretty awesome. Well, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. It's really um, not. We need to start like bringing out like the simulcast stolen droids episodes. <laughs> we don't want to do that. The problem is, is like each person would be speaking a different language because we don't all speak the same different languages. I think that would be uh, awesome. Okay, um, into our headlines. Uh, hmm. Let's just start with Google. Go down the top of the list. Okay, it, it needs to be known that um, a couple of these headlines are April Fool's related. We know that. Uh, that's on purpose, but as a general rule, we are not actually reporting on April Fool's headlines because we kind of hate it. Also, it was our birthday. It was. Stolen Droids, yeah, Stolen Droids is a podcast. is now five years old. That's crazy. 
it's unbelievably crazy. And as a site, I want to say we're eight years old. I think we're eight. Yeah. Seven, seven, definitely, perhaps eight. This is now the longest job I've ever held. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about that, though, are we one of the longest running podcasts on the internet? Um, you know, we kind of are. We are not the longest. Obviously, things like This Week in Google and This Week in Tech have been around longer. But considering we have never missed a single week, we are one of the more more consistent ones. Well, you say we've never missed a single week. Yeah, we did do flashback episodes, but I mean... But there was still an episode. There was still an episode. <laughs> Hey, an episode. if everyone could just remember how we've never let you down week after week, because the podcast awards are coming up here very soon, and we could sure use a nomination and maybe yes. win this year. And we will be we will be pimping ourselves hard for that. So just be prepared. Five dollar make you holla. Okay. Um, Love you all night long. Dude, that's racist. I'm Asian. Okay, <laughs> I can say that. You can't say that. <laughs> That's our phrase. I just that is did. I just did. Okay, so Google. Um, you remember how Google Wallet used to be a thing, and it was awesome, and it worked perfectly? And then and they split it up into Android Pay and Google Wallet, which Google Wallet had nothing to do with Google Wallet. Oh, yeah, and Android Pay then stopped working for most people. Yeah. yeah. Remember how awesome that was? That, oh, good times. Well, Google Wallet was really only around for one thing at that point, and that was for managing the money in your Google Wallet account. Yes, back in the day, you could sign up for a Google Wallet account, and you actually had a Google card. It was, it was a debit card or a credit card issued to you by Google, and it took funds directly from your Google Wallet. I'm actually bringing it out right here. Yes, and he's showing it to me, which makes for great... Audio only broadcasting. Yeah, I just want my uh, my our listeners to really see the number on it. You see that? See that? No one steal this, okay? Yeah, it's because one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. It's the same as the combination on my luggage. Um, Google is now dropping support for the physical card. As of June thirtieth, it will no longer be at all useful. Which is confusing. What are they doing? What are they doing? Uh, well, okay, so they never collected fees from the cards. They didn't collect fees. They didn't have uh, merchant fees or transaction fees. So Google wasn't making any money on the card. So they were only using it to gain information about which merchants and stores you were going to. And for that reason, it's a pretty neat way of getting information and if it's not getting the company any money there's no real reason to keep it but without access to the card what use is the google wallet at that point why keep it separate from android pay anymore are they going to undo everything and go back in time and pretend that their little fiasco with android pay never occurred never happened I think they're going to say that it was always Android Pay. Like, I, I'll bet you by the end of the year, because this is happening in June, June 30th. So I bet you by quarter four, they're going to take what remaining features of Google Wallet that still exist, which aren't that many, are going to be wrapped into Android Pay. And at that point, they're just going to completely 
you know, retire Google Wallet. It's just going to be kind of like your Google credits. Yeah. Which I... Surely there was an easier way of doing it than this. Yeah, it's... Wow, it's it's weird, man. It's weird. I don't know what they're doing. But, you know, I, I've been wondering that ever since... Ever since they started messing with Android Pay and going down that road, I've been wondering what they're doing. I mean, what's yeah. what's their thought process? And I I guess I get you know the whole Android Pay. We got to have more security. We got to do this and this and this so that we can be seen as legitimate. However, ever since they've changed that, everybody has dropped support for Android Pay within I don't know ten miles of my house. And so I can't even use it. It's completely worthless to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a confusing mess. And not to throw Google under the bus, I, I feel like Google has to have a master plan, but I just can't see it. I can't even begin to think what it is they're thinking. It just makes no sense to me. Which so. is rare because usually, you know, if I can't figure it out, you definitely can uh, when it comes to predicting what they're happening. Have I mentioned that we have an uncanny track record of predicting this kind of crap? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just slightly. Uh, In other Google news, they had one of their famous April Fool's Day pranks. Google does this every year. They're usually very well thought out, very elaborate, quite funny, Um, except when they get you fired. See, evidently, they introduced a feature called Mic Drop into Gmail, where if you wanted to end a conversation, you just click the mic drop button. It inserts a GIF of a mic drop and then mutes the rest of the conversation. So it's, after it's a that minion, point, actually. So it's funny. Yeah. It's a oh, minion. yeah. It's the minion from the movie Minions dropping the mic. And at that point, you don't get anything else in the conversation. So it doesn't matter what the other person is saying. You've dropped the mic. That's it. There's no way to undo it. There's no way to recover the messages. That's it. And that's especially problematic when they place the button right next to the send button and they don't tell people what the feature is. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of complaints. A lot of complaints. The, The forums were blowing up until one person pointed out that he just lost his job because he accidentally did that to his boss. And, you know, joke aside, his boss kept sending back feedback of something he was supposed to do, and he never got those emails. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Now, on one hand, I have to ask, who's using their Gmail account for work? Um, a lot of companies use Gmail for work. The company I used to work at, we did everything through Gmail. So... It, it does happen. It does happen. Well, I guess my that's not my question because we use Google Apps for work, which has its own version of Gmail, and we use Google Apps at Stolen Droids as well. Yeah. But did, did they did they roll this out to everyone then? Not just private Gmail users. They also rolled it out to Google Apps. They must have. They must have. If that's it was the taken, case. Yeah, it was taken down so quickly that I never even saw it. 
Yeah. Uh, and this, it was, it was bad. It was so bad. Google apologized, apologized the next day as well. And the next day, which is now the third, uh, they are now trying to go in and recover the emails that were muted and still deliver them to people's inboxes so they can see what they missed. And it's, it was just kind of a black eye. It was not not great. What does somebody's race have to do with it? Ha ha ha. (laughs) Oh, you said a black eye, not a black guy. Yes. Okay. Um, so this one makes sense to me, but it doesn't, but it does, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So this is not an April Fool's Day joke. I thought it was when it first came out. It's not. Google has a new innovation they're bringing out. It's a landline. Yeah, I saw this, and my first thought was, is this April Fool's joke, too? Yeah. Um, see, the problem is, and on one hand, I get it. It's So, my wife and I have cell phones. That's all we use. We only have cell phones. That's a problem when we go out on a date, and we leave the home, kids at home with the babysitter. Yes. Because there's no phone. Should something happen, there's no phone at home. Unless the babysitter happens to have a cell phone of her own. Right. So what do we do? We tried leaving one of our ho- our phones home once. That didn't go well. You know, we, we currently right now have another cell phone that we just leave home. And there's other scenarios like that where having a phone at home is still a desired thing. So now, if you're on Google Fiber, for another $10 a month, they will give you dedicated VoIP service that will actually tie into, like, E911. So if you call 911 from it, it, they automatically know where you're at, which is not something you usually get with most voice over IP systems. Yeah. That's that that's a good feature. I mean, but yeah, this is Do people I I I see the need for it because like I, you, I'm in the situation where I don't have a landline. My wife and I have talked about getting a landline, but for a dial tone, it's I think $8 a month and then all the taxes and fees bring it up to about $30 a month. And so, is it really worth it to have a $30 a month expense for a landline that will never get used? For one century old technology. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the, what, 1870s or whatever? (laughs) When was the phone invented? Yeah. Um, I don't know. 1876 was when the patent was awarded. Um, Also this week was the Microsoft announcements at their build conference. Normally, build conferences are super dull. Like, unbelievably dull. Oh, look, they're adding new library dependencies to C++ or to Visual.net. Isn't that thrilling? But see, we're not developers. And so, of course, you know, we find that extremely tedious and boring. If they were saying, oh, hey, look at this new hardware, you and I would be all over it. Yeah. 
Well, they did announce some things that are actually quite interesting. For one, they're going forward with universal apps. What is a universal app? Well, the idea is that it's an app that can run on your Windows phone, Windows laptop, tablet, or even Xbox. It's one app that can run on all of them. Well, Zook, they already have those. Yeah, no, not really. They have a client you can install on all of them, but they're different clients. This is truly one app that you only had to write once, compile once, and can be installed on any of these things. And to prove how easy it is, they're unlocking in an update coming out this summer, the the Windows 10th anniversary update, they'll be unlocking this ability to do this kind of dev work in the Xbox One, which means you will be able to code from your console and develop apps right there on the console. So plug in your keyboard and have at it. Unless you want to use like the, the joysticks on your Xbox controller to try and code. Never mind that. I want like an actual game interface. It's going to look like Shadowrun. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Good times. Um, Also, in kind of interesting news, they are going to be bringing out more AI and more bots to more things than just Cortana. Now, I actually had to talk with Schmitty at length in this one because it didn't make a lot of sense to me at first. But the idea is to have bot language replace the old API language. Again, this is getting really dev heavy. I get that. The idea is that you ask Cortana... Oh, please don't activate. Please don't activate. She didn't activate. You ask her, <laughs> um, you know, the, the uh, can you remind me to pick up dry cleaning on the way home? Cortana says, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. Your Cortana then reaches out to the dry cleaning bot from the app or the service or whatnot that you use, the bots speak back and forth with each other. The bot knows that you're coming to pick it up. And Cortana reaches back out to you to say, okay, I've spoken with their bot. It's going to be available in an hour. I know this sounds trippy at first. Uh, If you're like me, it doesn't make a lot of sense right off the bat because you're going, hey, Zook, it already does that. No, actually, it doesn't. Right now, your system has to read an API that the developer has made available. And if that information was not ever published from the API, then your phone has no way of knowing it. But this way, there's going to be a common framework. So say, hey, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning. Great. I've talked to the bot. Your dry cleaning will be available at three. Did they remember to put medium starch on that shirt? I've spoken to the dry cleaning bot. They said they did get medium starch on there. They could not get the stain out of your collar. We're talking that level of of interaction. You just reminded me of something, and I can't remember what it is. And what what was that old laundry detergent whisk ring around the collar? Your dry cleaner needs to needs to break out the whisk. No, it's have, Calgon. Have, Cor- have Cortana. No, Calgon will take you away. Um, it kidnaps you. But, <laughs> yes. But have, have Cortana. Chinese human trafficking. <laughs> have Cortana. Ancient Chinese secret. 
Cortana needs to tell the dry cleaner, hey, y'all need to use whisk. So, yeah, as I just derailed us. See, that's what happens when you say stuff like that. Ring around the collar. Pocket full of holler? I don't know. Um, and, and probably the biggest news, this isn't going to make a lot of sense if you're not a developer or you're not familiar with that world, but trust me, this is huge news. Um, this update for Windows is also going to bring the Bash line to Windows. What is that, Zook? Well, since the early days, Windows has had a command line called MS-DOS. Um, it hasn't actually been a true DOS for quite a while. It's just been an emulator that runs it. Uh, most recently with Windows 10, they brought PowerShell, which is the newest command line variant to it. Well, that's just Windows. It's only Windows. If you are on OS X, if you're on Linux, if you're on Ubuntu, if you're on any of those versions, you have a different command line interface. And the real problem was is that if you're a developer, like, say, Schmitty, and you're working on Unix or Linux systems, then you usually need a Unix-Linux interface to get to them, which is why Schmitty's now unfortunately using OS X, because it's built on Unix. Long story short, too late, I know. <laughs> this is going to bring it to Windows, not an emulator, natively. It basically means your Windows machine is going to be able to code or interact with any other operating system, any other major operating system at a command line level. I I can't quite describe to you how baffling this is. Not because why would they do that? It makes perfect sense why they do it. It's baffling because this opens up possibilities never before even dreamed of. It is impossible to know how far this will go because no one has ever even considered this something that could ever remotely happen. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, and I'm not a I'm not a Linux or Unix guy. I'm not a I'm not a developer, obviously, and so I don't get as excited about this as I'm sure those demographics are. But yeah, it's a it's a big deal. Yeah. Um. In less big deal, but probably you'll notice it more. Amazon has decided to block the sale of crappy USB-C cables. You remember a few weeks ago when that report came out on the really dangerous ones, the ones that would actually set fire to your device or overcharge it, burn out, ruin your port? Yeah, just crap. I mean, we talked about this. It was one of the Google like quality guys or something, wasn't it? He tested mm-hmm. a bunch of these and... He kind of kind of wrote a not very flattering piece on it. Well, Amazon has has taken action, which I think is a good thing. I wish they did this more often. Yes. If you don't know anything about cables, it would be very easy to believe Oh, hey, look, I went onto Amazon. I needed a three-prong AC outlet to HDMI cable. And Amazon had one. Okay. Now, if you caught what I just said, it basically means plugging the input of your TV straight into a wall outlet. It would kill your TV. 
Well, my favorite is the HDMI to RCA connectors. One end is HDMI and the other is RCA. How does that work? I see that a lot. And the thing is, is that people will wire them up and ship them from China and sell them. And people will buy it going, oh, yeah, I think I need that. But you can cause a lot of damage. Well, USB Type-C actually requires certain wiring to be put into it to work the way it does. And a lot of manufacturers have taken the cheap route and said, no, we're just going to do it the way we think it needs to be done. And if you use them, it will destroy your device. So Amazon has decided to block the sale of those crappy cables now. I'm glad about that. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen cables for sale on Amazon and, you know, it's cool because, hey, 87 cents for an 18-foot-long HDMI cable. But you get what you pay for, folks. Now, that's not to say that the gold-plated, you know, monster cables are far superior. To- oh, yeah, with the plenum loom and the yeah. platinum-tipped points, and it only costs $400 for the cable, and it's like, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. But, you know... There is something to be said. If you're buying an eighty cent cable, or I've even I've I, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. I bought some cables that were a penny a piece. I think they were just regular USB cables, so it wasn't a big deal. But they did not last very long. They weren't very good quality at all. I, I've bought micro USB ones because hey, it's always handy to have a whole wad of micro USB cables lying around if you ever need to charge something. Right? Yeah. The micro USB interface has been around long enough that so many things use it to charge. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I tried charging my phone with one of the cables. I couldn't find my normal cable. I I found the original charger. But I didn't know where the cable was. So I got one of these cheap ones. It charged for eight hours. It never made it above 50%. It was getting so little current, the phone didn't actually know it was charging. Meanwhile, the charging block hooked into the outlet was super hot. Yeah, it's like at that point it's becoming a fire hazard. And I've been been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, before I went to... Uh, Cleveland for the month of February, in that cold, cold, forsaken waste. The land of Cleve. Yeah, the land of Cleve and rock and roll. Um, I actually did a lot of research and found some really, really good USB cables that I could use to charge my devices to take with me because I didn't want to run into issues where I had a crappy cable that was taking 23 hours to charge a phone 12%. Yeah, it's crazy how those things matter, but they matter. And evidently with USB-C, they matter enough that they can actually set fire to your device. So that's good. Um, Okay, Uh, the FBI iPhone unlock scandal keeps going. Uh, Maybe scandal's the wrong word. There isn't actually a scandal here, other than it turns out that the FBI has been asking Google to unlock phones as well. I don't like this. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Well, it gets better because as we discussed in last episode, episode 259, the FBI um, put a pause on the proceedings because they may have found a way around it. Well, sure enough, this week, they actually backed out of court proceedings entirely and dropped the case against Apple. Turns out they don't need Apple's help to uh, get around the encryption. They found a way to get in there after all. 
um, and they were able to recover information from the San Bernardino's uh, phone. No word on yet whether or not it actually meant anything for the investigation. Well, so in Arkansas, there's a prosecutor who needed help getting into an iPhone. And the FBI just went and said, yeah, we can do that for you now. Check it out. It was almost like, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouths, but it was like they were bragging. It was like, oh yeah, this is no big deal now. Now that we know how to do this, we can do it for anyone and everyone. doesn't even matter. And it's kind of like, well, isn't that exactly the issue that Apple was warning about? <laughs> like, haven't you just proven our point? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting because they won't say how they're getting into these phones. Which I find extremely, extremely ironic that they're taking Apple to court to say, hey, you need to tell us how to get into these phones. They come up with some magic way to do it, and now they're like, no, just kidding. You know, that's that's our information to know. We don't need to let you know, even though uh, we obviously have found a security hole that could be exploited for millions of your users. Yeah. I, uh, oh, by the way, we're not also not going to tell you what the exploit uh, is that we're using, just in case you might patch it later on. But don't worry, if you patch it accidentally, we're going to hold you responsible. Yeah. Is it just me, or... I mean, it's no secret I'm not a big fan of the government. But are they just going completely crazy with power here? I think they're being stupid about it. Uh, look, I... I'm all for transparency in things, right? But it's 2016. If I have a phone that has the ability to use a fingerprint to encrypt the entire file system, I have to kind of assume the only reason I'm allowed to have tech like that is because somewhere out there, a government watchdog agency has the ability to circumvent that. Yeah. Right? I... It's kind of like guns. Without trying to start a major argument, okay, you can have um, a, a SCAR assault rifle, right? But it's a civilian version of the SCAR assault rifle. It doesn't fire the same rounds or with the same penetrating power as the military version. I kind of see it the same way as my my car or my phone or any of the tech I'm allowed to have as a civilian, the military, the government agencies, the intelligence agencies probably have better. I, I, this is why when you watch a James Bond movie, it doesn't even flinch us in the slightest to see Q wave his hand in this amazing eight K display pop up before any of us had them in our TV, in our homes. Because you expect the spy agency to have it. So I almost think the FBI did the dumbest thing by even bringing this up to us. If they had never brought it up to us, then this would this would be a non-issue. Yeah, I agree. I think they should have. What, if they were smart, what they would have done is approached Apple privately... And said, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Not take them to court. Not bring the media into this. Not try and get it out there in the court of public opinion. Only to have it dramatically backfire on you. And when Apple told them to go pound sand, 
they could proceed with doing what they did. And nobody would know, and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. Yeah. I, we would have just been going on going, well, you know, my phone says it's encrypted, but I'll bet you if anyone really wants to get into it, they can get into it. Exactly. And maybe I'm just a sheep. Okay, maybe I'm one of the ignorant populace. I'm sure there's conspiracy nuts out there who, if they ever heard me say that, would just say I'm just a weak minded sheep. And you know what? Guess what? That works for me because I don't actually care. The only people who would need military grade encryption to hide their secrets would hopefully be a military person. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um. I'm just saying. However, I am one of those conspiracy guys that believes that the government is doing all the things that you just said. So, Well, if you already assume that, why did you need the FBI to take Apple to court to prove it? Exactly. Or to prove that actually they couldn't. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly content living in my own little world here in which I believe that the government is monitoring everything that everybody is doing. And that they have backdoors into every device and that they can do whatever they need to do in the interest of, quote, the greater good. And when they come out and say, oh, yeah, well, we can't do that, I'm a little bit disillusioned. But then, you know, they bring it full circle two weeks later when they say, just kidding, we can. And We, we just didn't actually look for a way before we found it we found it don't worry yeah yeah and so you know i i'm back to where you know i know they're watching us and i know they're doing stuff and every time i go to fly i'll continue to be amazed that i'm not on a no-fly list and (laughs) i don't know it's just they really i think they screwed up in a lot of different ways here What's even funnier now is the fact that uh, they're on the receiving end of some of their own medicine. Uh, A while ago, they were able to infiltrate the Tor network. Um, The Tor is the dark web, for lack of a better term. It's uh, it's, an internet hidden in the internet, uses end-to-end encryption, uh, doesn't really offer web directories or website services like you'd expect. You actually have to know the address of where it is you're trying to go. Uh, It's where you can hide things such as Silk Road, a lot of really, really bad websites. There's a lot of crap out there. Well, the FBI has been trying to get into it because a lot of crimes are committed and communicated over the dark web. And uh, they did it. They were able to get in. It's limited in scope because because of the encryption type, they were only able to access certain nodes. And once those nodes changed, they were locked out again. But uh, they've been subpoenaed now <laughs> to uh, give up the code they use to access the Tor network. And they're refusing, saying it could set precedent and allow other people to fix that vulnerability. And I'm going, do you even hear yourselves now? You can't have it both ways. No, but it's the government, so they think they can. It's just, oh my gosh. Come on, FBI. You're better than this. I've kind of gone a little bit anti-government tonight on this episode. Haven't done that for a while. I, I... You should have just kind of let us think that you always had access into it and not ever brought up that that's what you did. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
And then people can go on calling people like me conspiracy theorists and, oh, where's your tinfoil hat? It's in my freaking bedroom. That's where it is because they monitor while I sleep. Just kidding. It's not in my That's bedroom. just your sleep apnea machine. That's just your CPAP. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yes. That's not the NSA. It's your CPAP. You really need that. <laughs> oh, okay. So you can look like Bane. <laughs> Okay, um, ad blockers. Let's talk about ad blockers. Okay. Why do you think people use ad blockers? Well, you know, my first thought would be because they don't want ads. Right. But That's obvious, a good thought. obviously there's more to it than that, or you wouldn't be posing that question. Yeah. Well, it turns out that uh, a lot of people are using ad blockers now on their mobile devices who never previously used them um, and who may not even use them on their desktop browsers. And it's probably because recent studies have shown that ads can use up 18 to 79 percent of your data allotment. So let's say that you're on a data plan that only gives you two gigs a month. If you're using just browsing the web and 80% of your browsing speed of your actual data allotment is going to ads. That basically means that, sorry, you actually only have 400 megs a month and that's nothing. Yeah, that's crazy, but it gets better or worse in my opinion. Okay. So I'm on T-Mobile, which means I can listen to Pandora day in, day out. Doesn't ever touch my data cap, right? Yep. However, I've noticed, because I don't pay for Pandora, I'm on the free streaming, so it gives me ads every once in a while. And you'll see this on websites, too. If they have an ad banner up at the top, usually what they do is they sell that service to an ad agency, and it'll just rotate out ads based on your interests. Well, if the ad is badly coded, it can actually stop the loading of the site. Yep. Or Pandora give you viruses has a, or whatever yeah. else. Pandora has a few bad ads in their rotation now. And so I've been noticing that every time it goes to load an ad, I'll either get the same ad five times in a row, which is unprecedented, because I'm only supposed to ever get like two or three max, or the app just sits there on a black screen forever until I finally close it, kill it, kill the process, sign out, sign back in, and then maybe and dangle a dead chicken over the phone, and maybe then it'll get me past that ad. I installed an ad blocker onto my phone. Boom. No problems anymore. Yeah. So these ads are really causing a problem here. You know, I hadn't actually thought about that, but I... I unrooted my phone to do an update because I get the monthly updates and, you know, Nexus owner and, and whatnot. And I haven't taken the time to reroute it. And I've noticed I get a lot of ads now when I'm listening to Google Play Music and, and other things. I don't think that I got them before because I had that ad blocker going. And you think about that, and I'm on T-Mobile as well, so, I mean, the data is not an issue for me when I'm streaming music or whatnot. But for those who aren't, if you're on a limited limited uh, data plan, th- how, much, how much data do those ads actually use? And so that's, that's a really good point. I hadn't considered that. 
You know, it's really funny is I just looked up Adblock um, on the Google Play Store, and the very first thing that pops up is an ad for the Adblock browser. Nice. I don't know if you can see that. I <laughs> it's can. It's the very first thing. I that can. Pops up. Right there up at the top. That's awesome. Oh, screw you, Adblock. You know, I think it's screw funny. You, you keep showing me stuff that nobody else can see. I feel special. Indeed. Um, okay. So, in a funny headline that was brought to our attention by Schmitty, um, a petition was started at change.org, or actually at the whitehouse.gov, which is kind of like the White House's version of change.org. Um, they want to block certain languages that they believe represent terrorism and uh, that are a threat to our way of life. Well, that's kind of racist, you think. What, what, what are they talking about? Like Spanish? Farsi? Or what, what, no. No, they mean programming languages. Specifically, JavaScript, Ruby, and Java. <laughs> I'm going to read the entire petition here, okay? It's, it's short. In this growing age of interconnectivity, as automation reaches out and takes hold of more and more of our day-to-day existence, from small computers running in motor vehicles and aircraft to the software on your mobile phone. That's not an actual sentence, dude. Okay. We have an expanding array of options in the toolkit of any software developer. Some of these op tools represent a grave risk to the reliability and safety of our nation's critical infrastructure. Rather than attempt a comprehensive reform of the entire body of linguistic design, this proposal is simply a request to address low-hanging fruit by limiting what programming languages can be used in the United States and its territories. My specific suggested list of languages to rest restrict from use and phase out includes JavaScript, Ruby, and Java. Signatures needed by April 15th to reach the goal of 100,000, 99,921. Yeah, only 79 people have actually signed this petition. And I'm going to guess they're people who don't actually code. And I'm going to say the amazing thing about this is that 79 people have signed this petition. You know, this is the stupidest petition I've ever seen. It, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. And, you know, if this were to, like, ever happen where java is outlawed just think of all the pissed off 10 year olds you're going to have when they can't play minecraft anymore or you know watch a blu-ray or do anything really or use your mobile phones like i understand there is certain code that is unsecured but it's not the language of the code per se. It is the coding practices. He is literally saying, I don't want to suggest we change our coding practices. I just think we should outlaw the language. Well, that's like saying, okay, to get around using um, people with hate speech, we're just going to outlaw English. No, you simply outlaw hate speech, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we I, won't, we won't go down that particular rabbit hole, but I do take your point. I I, do I, I realize the whole First Amendment thing, yeah, stops that. But <laughs> but it's the same analogy. It's like, look, you don't have a problem with the language. You have a problem with how some people are not using due diligence when using the language. Well, and if you stop and think about it, those, these are common languages. JavaScript and Java are very widely used. It's kind of like we used to talk about with Apple 
Apple um, devices and, and whatnot not getting viruses because it wasn't a significant portion. It wasn't worth anybody's time. Whereas we've got these programming languages. Yeah, people are going to exploit them because they're everywhere. We should uh, put in a petition that says we can only program in OOK. O-O-K. I'll let you Google it. Trust me, it's an actual programming language. I'm thinking we should just go back to basic. <laughs> everything, everything in basic. Speaking of massive security screw-up. Oh, this is, this is nice. This is this is so bad you would have thought it was an April Fool's joke but no this actually happened. So CNBC wanted to show people how easily their password could be cracked. You enter your password into this form and it tells you how quickly a computer could crack your password. By the way this isn't new. There have been online systems that can take any password and run an algorithm algorithm against it to see how long it takes to crack it. That's fine. The difference is, is that those all use an SSL certificate and are done right there by a script and then immediately dumped. CNBC's form transmitted your password in unencrypted, open, plain text, stored it on a spreadsheet that anyone could see, and called it good. So I guess the real lesson is, is the quickest way to have your password compromised is to give it to CNBC. Yeah. I think. Or have Zoner anywhere near it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, or have me anywhere near it, because we all know my awesome track record with having my data compromised. Yeah, I think this is, this is insane. I don't, someone obviously had to be savvy enough to make the form. But I guess it just kind of ended there. Well, and the thing is, you mentioned that it sent the password unencrypted to a spreadsheet. That was a Google Docs spreadsheet. But then it also sent it to multiple third parties. Not all of which are immediately known. Yes. And the awesome thing about it all, CNBC said, quote, no passwords are being stored. Where do they think it's going if not into Google Docs? Google Docs, by nature, stores it. Have you ever tried to delete something from Google Docs? Holy crap, that's difficult. Yeah, I don't think CNBC actually knows what a password is used for. It's this is this is straight up embarrassing. It really is. It really was. Um, Do we know how many people were foolish enough to give their password up to them? I don't know. I hope not many. I, this right here reminds me of the ads that you used to see on Google or whatever before ad blockers were effective. Said, you know, it was it was always some like student research project, but click here to install a virus. You know, those types of things, and people would actually mm-hmm. click on them. It's like, how stupid do you have to be? Yeah. Um, And our last one is not very stupid. It's actually kind of ingenious. Reddit has had, in plain sight, a kind of data surveillance canary. Uh, if, If you're too young to understand what that phrase is, the idea of taking a canary into a dangerous area is a callback to miners who used to bring canaries down with them into the mines. Uh, canaries are much more susceptible to bad air 
to uh, noxious fumes or to a lack of oxygen in general. Methane, they, I think, was a big one. Yeah. Uh, so if you go down into the mine and your canary just drops dead, that's a bad mine. You need to get out of there. Yes. And, you know, the canaries would do it before the humans would, so they used canaries as a warning. Reddit has had a canary in plain sight on their um, terms of service. It says, we have never been subpoenaed for information on any user or user activities on Reddit. And it's been there for the entire history of Reddit. Until this week, when they didn't say that they'd been subpoenaed, but they did mention that they've changed the terms of service to remove that line. So, they're not saying they've been subpoenaed, but they just told everyone they've been subpoenaed. Yeah. I think that's the most ingenious thing ever. I I think that's clever. I really like that. Yeah, that's just that's brilliant. Well, it really is. And you know, the interesting thing is is you know, usually when you get something like that as, as a internet company or whatnot from the NSA or FBI or whomever it may be, there's usually a gag order involved. So they can't go out and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we just got subpoenaed. They want this information. That can't happen. And so this way, by them removing that line, it lets people know, okay, we're being asked for information, but they're not really violating the gag order because they're not saying, oh, yes, we've been asked for this information. I love yeah. it. I love oh, it. Oh, my gosh. This is genius. Okay, into our headlines this week. Mine comes from Batman v Superman, which we will get to on another show. But it is the Google Maps <laughs> Street View of where Bruce Wayne lives and the Batcave. And I got to tell you, this is probably the, my favorite Batcave. It is honestly the most functional it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of the, like Michael Keaton's, you know, Tim Burton's Batcave made absolutely no sense. None. Okay. And the animated series Batcave was easy because it was animated. They could draw it however they wanted. This one of all the live action movies, I think is my favorite. There's a spot for all of his toys. There's a spot for the elevator. There's his workbench. There's the computer. It's just great. And you can walk around all of it using Google Street View. So that's just cool. So go ahead. Check it out. won't take you very long. It's just fun, though. I just got lost. I'm trying to get over to the Robin costume. And it's it's not cooperating very well. I don't think it's there, actually. Oh, no, it's here. And I am looking at it. I made it. Yeah, that's this this is a cool favorite, dude. I got to admit this is a cool favorite. So, my favorite is cool, kind of cool too. Uh I've been watching Daredevil. I'm still not through the entire second se- season yet. Uh so if you spoil it for me, I'm going to have to hunt you down Punisher style, which as I learned last night in the episode that I watched, uh can be very bloody, especially if you're in a prison. Uh, but my favorite this week is the eight, uh, an eight-bit version of the Daredevil opening. Uh, it's got you know the eight-bit graphics. It's got the eight-bit audio, the the MIDI sounding stuff. It's 
just awesome. I I love it so very much. And yeah, check it out. If you're if you're a Daredevil fan or if you like retro gaming, this is definitely for you. Very cool. Well, this is our episode for the week. Again, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Just send us a message any way you can. We'll respond. Uh, until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.